1: The first degree. 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 The first degree. You see it on the news, you see it on the paper, you see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. Because one of the messages that I left said, hey, T Dog, um, Bro, you better be dead. That's what I said, um, because he wasn't calling me back, and I was. Uh, but I was joking, obviously. But it's just so sad and creepy and weird to think that he was dead, that I was leaving a voicemail, and he was dead.
2: Welcome to the first degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting a far, far away from Alexis Linkletter and farther away from Billy Jensen. And you know what? I'm in a new room recording the podcast today, and I just feel like I'm in t- totally different locations, switching it up. You really are. I know it's, it's
0: exotic. It's, it's, it's like traveling. This is the new traveling. Going this, to a different room to record.
2: It is. I'm still in the same white background. I'm sure you guys didn't notice, but you know, I feel I feel new and refreshed. But um. Billy, I'm throwing it to you because you have another announcement to make.
0: I do. We are still ongoing with the call for entries for the first ever the first degree virtual art show happy hour and we want everybody who's crafty and even people who aren't crafty because i almost like those even better oh, so yeah. anybody that is is artistic or not artistic to do to send us your first degree inspired artwork and then we're going to have a happy hour over zoom talk about the artwork drink have fun try to forget about everything that's going on so um where could they send entries alexis
3: you can send entries to hello at com, And Jack, Billy, and I are also going to be, we're each also contributing one art piece each. <laughs> oh my <Yes>. God. <laughs> you are Alexis? <laughs> yes, I am. Oh, wow. I can't wait
2: for this one. Um, I know a few people have posted about theirs on our Facebook page. Uh, one of our gals makes the best cocktails, and we might have to feature one of these firsty cocktails. Roxy, we love you. Um, but make sure to send your entries into the email so we can go through them and see That's all right. your little creative hands.
0: And if you want to post it on Instagram and tag us, too, we can see it that way.
2: Right. Um, yep. All right. Well, Billy, what day is it today?
0: You know, there's a lot of days today, but there's one that really stuck out. It's World Wish Day. And I think everybody here has the same wish, is that for this thing to be over and for everybody to be safe. So that's the one that stuck out. It's also International Guide Dog Day.
2: Oh, that's cute. Yes. You know, I knew- the dog. dog videos are the only thing that are really getting me through the days all right well that's enough of that so let's turn down the lights and
3: turn up your anxiety
0: because this could be you
3: Based on what you may have read in the headlines, you may think that you know everything about the woman who murdered Travis Alexander. Our first degree had a front row seat to Travis and Jody's meeting, the budding relationship between Travis and Jody, and then ultimately the decline. So forget everything you thought you knew. This is the real story told by one of the people who lived it.
2: Today's case takes us back to June 4th of 2008. The top songs on the radio were Lollipop by Lil Wayne, Take a Bow by Rihanna, and Viva La Vida by Coldplay. The Sex and the City movie and Kung Fu Panda were selling out theaters.
0: And the setting for today's case is Mesa, Arizona, which is just east of Phoenix. The name Mesa is Spanish for tabletop or table land. The city of Mesa was founded in 1878 by Mormons, and the city continues to have a large Mormon population. And included in that Mormon population was a 30-year-old man named Travis Alexander.
3: And Travis was well-liked. He had tons of friends and lived in a nice house with two male roommates in Mesa. And he worked for a company called Prepaid Legal Services and had a deep, deep interest in personal development and growth as well. And he was focusing a lot of his time on becoming a motivational speaker too. And here to help us tell this story and learn more about Travis is his best friend, Chris Hughes.
1: You know, I started a business with Prepaid Legal Services um, back in 1999. And one of the first people that I uh, recruited to join me was with Travis Alexander. and so how that worked was we were both in a, a singles congregation. so this in the um in the Mormon church, they have you know regular congregations, just like every church, but then they have um, some singles congregations where people from eighteen to thirty that have not yet been married. Um, regular church, everything's normal. It's just for single people. So I was going to church there. Travis was going to church there. He was the superintendent over the Sunday school classes, and I was a Sunday school teacher. And one day I was teaching a lesson, I can't remember what it was on, but he would go from class to class just to see that the teachers were doing a good job. Well, I read a a poem called Father Forgets, and it's in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I, I didn't name this poem, I just ended the lesson By reading it. And then Travis walks up to me and says, Father forgets how to win friends and influence people. And I was blown away that he knew where that poem had come from. And I was like, What? I was like, You read that stuff? And he's like, Totally, bro. And so we hit it off instantaneously, just an instantaneous connection. So that's how we met. And then one day he said to me, "Uh, What do you do for? for work, for a living. And I joked and I said, I dance, you know, I'm a dancer. Have you ever heard of chippendale And, you know, he said, ha ha ha, we, you know, a little laughing and then he goes, no, he goes, I hear you do something with legal. I just want to know what it is that you do. Um, and I said, well, I don't want to get into it here at church, but why don't we go to lunch, you know, this week? Well, we ended up going to lunch. He fell in love with, legal shield We or prepaid legal now it's called legal Shield. but i you know told him a little bit about it gave him a dvd invited him to a seminar we were having that night he showed up and signed up at the end of the night and from that day forward we were best friends we were business partners you know we did we did everything together and um you know he's the outside of my own family he's the best friend that i've ever had
3: so as chris mentioned he and Travis's friendship grew as their business relationship, and Travis really thrived with prepaid legal services. So prepaid
2: legal services was having this retreat in Cancun. Chris, his wife Sky, and their kids were already there, and Travis invited a friend of his named Mimi to join him on the trip. Mimi and Travis were just friends, but Travis was really interested in more. He liked Mimi romantically. The two of them had met at a Mormon singles event, and Travis was really looking forward to this trip as an opportunity to break the ice with her. But
0: right before the trip, Travis went radio silent. And it wasn't just Mimi who hadn't heard from him. It seemed no one had. Mimi grew concerned, and so did Chris, who was in Cancun making plans for the group prior to Travis's arrival.
1: We had won this extensive trip to go to Cancun, Mexico. Guy and I and our nanny and our kids, we went in for eight days instead of just the four days. So we were all already there. And, and I'm trying to get a hold of Travis because I want to put deposits down, you know, to swim with the whale sharks and to see the pyramids and Chichen Itza and, you know, and all the rest. And some of these deposits were, were um, non-refundable. So I'm blowing Travis up. You know, I'm calling him up like Travis, dude. You know, I'm texting him, leaving him messages. Because one of the messages that I left said, Hey, T Dog, bro, you better be dead. That's what I said because he wasn't calling me back. And I was, uh, but I was joking, obviously. But I'm like, T Dog, man, where you at, dude? Why are you not calling me back? Bro, you better be dead.
3: Mimi was becoming more and more anxious about not being able to reach Travis. You know, you'd think you'd be able to a day before leaving for Cancun. It's a big deal. She became so worried, in fact, that she decided to go over to his house to see what was going on with him. So she knocked on the door of the home, but was only met with silence. There was no answer. She became so worried that she called some mutual friends of theirs over to ask them to help her and come meet her at Travis's place. A handful of them arrived. And they decided that they can actually get into the house through the laundry room and they make their way in. So they learned that actually, despite their knocking, one of Travis's roommates was home. And this guy's name was Zach. Zach was watching a movie really loudly with his door closed, which is why he didn't hear their attempts to get inside the house. So Mimi asked Zach if he's seen Travis. He says no.
2: He assumed that Travis already left for this Cancun trip and he hadn't seen him in days. This makes everyone's blood run cold because when they tried the door to Travis's room, it was locked. Zach grabs the spare key to the master suite. He puts the key into the door and pushes it open.
1: What's going on? A um, friend of ours is dead
2: in his bedroom. We, we had not heard from him for a while. We think he's dead. His roommate just went in there and... And so said there's lots of blood. I didn't go in, but I I can give you the phone
1: to someone who went in there. Can,
2: yes, please, can you? Hello? Hi,
3: so what's going on?
1: He's uh, he, he's dead. He's in his bedroom okay. in, in the shower.
3: Okay. How did this happen? Do you have any idea? No,
1: we have no idea. Everyone's been wondering about him okay. for well, a few days. She said that there is blood. So is it coming from his head? Did he cut you know, it head? It, it, it's all over the place. Is there any weapons around? I No, I don't know. I, not that I saw. How many people are in the house? There. Are, how, how many How many are in the house right now? Just the five of us? Five of us. Okay,
3: I need all of you outside.
1: Okay.
2: Has he been threatened by anyone recently? Yes, he has. Okay. he has. A, he has an ex-girlfriend that's been bothering him and and um, following him and flashing tires and things like that. And do you know the ex-girlfriend's name? Um... um and do you know if he's ever reported it to the police? Um, her, his, her name is Jody.
0: And once that door was pushed open, everything changed. There was blood everywhere. As Zach moved through the entrance of the bedroom, he could see blood on the walls. He turned into the bathroom, and beyond the pools of blood all over the tan floor tiles, Zach saw his roommate Travis's lifeless body crumpled on the ground. It looked like he had been shoved into the glass shower.
3: Law enforcement arrived on scene, and once they entered Travis's room, here's what they saw. They walked in. They see blood everywhere, including a bloody palm print on the wall, just outside the bathroom. When they enter the bathroom, again, blood everywhere, all over the sink, Pools of blood on the floor, one in the middle of the room and one at the doorway. Travis's body had been stuffed into the shower. It seems as if he had been rinsed off. Perhaps his killer attempted to wash away evidence. And while Travis was bloodied, it was hard to see what his wounds exactly were. That being because there were so many and there was so much blood. But one thing they could tell with the naked eye is that Travis had been dead and in the shower for days. His fingers and toes were turning colors. He was beyond rigor mortis, and he was beyond liver mortis as well. So when law enforcement examines
2: the scene further, they also find a twenty-five caliber bullet casing. They search the home, and there are no weapons inside the house. They take fingerprints, and they take hair samples. And they also notice that the bedding from Travis's king-sized mattress was just missing. And it seems as if some of the blood had been wiped up before Travis's killer just abandoned the scene.
0: So the medical examiner comes to pick up Travis's body. And even prior to conducting an autopsy, it's clear that these injuries are not self-inflicted. Travis had been slashed, stabbed, and had lacerations all over his body. The police also believed that Travis had been shot based on the presence of that twenty-five caliber shell casing. Now, for those of you that don't know guns, 25s are tiny bullets. You can get shot in the face, wouldn't recommend it, but you might not necessarily die. So even though they couldn't see the gunshot, they assumed that there was one.
3: And after the police start wrapping their heads around the scene and wrapping their heads around what kind of case they're dealing with, they recalibrate and shift their focus to Travis's friends who were there at the scene. After all, he had two roommates a girl he knew well enough to invite on a trip and other mutual friends. They could glean a lot from them. So they start with his roommates and their names. We mentioned Zach and there's also Enrique. The two of them only say wonderful things about Travis, devout Mormon, hardworking. He has little family, but lots and lots of friends. Police look at the
2: scene and they look at Travis's injuries and they go through their normal investigative mental checklist. because even though they couldn't tell how many wounds that Travis actually had, they could tell that it was a lot. So whatever happened to him suggests a deeply personal confrontation. There was no forced entry into the home. They questioned Travis's roommates and searched the house and it seemed as though nothing was really missing from the house. So this rules
0: out robbery. They talk to Mimi Hall, and she echoes what Travis's roommate said. Travis is well-liked, hardworking, dignified, respectable.
3: So Travis's roommates and Mimi essentially give the same accounts about Travis. They also said something else, and they all agreed on this. What each of them said included a very important point. When the police asked who could be responsible for this, they all said the same thing, the name of the same person jody arias
1: the phone rang sky picked it up at like four in the morning and it was a colleague a guy named dave hall and dave said to sky is is chris there and she said he's sleeping and he said wake him up and so sky bumps me and she said hey it's dave hall dave hall's on the phone and my stomach dropped because I just knew, you know, it's the middle of the night. And uh, I said, hey, what's up, Dave? And he said, Chris, T-Dog's dead. And I just started to cry. And and uh, I remember just saying, no, no, no. And then I said, the first thing I said when I got off the phone is I said, Jody Arias did this.
2: So Mimi Hall tells police to look at Jody Arias. His roommates tell police to look at Jody Arias. And so does Chris once he talks to the police. So naturally, the police want to speak with her immediately. And they wouldn't really even need to look that far because Jody would come straight to them. Hey, Jody. this is Detective Steve Flores with the Mesa, Arizona Police Department. Oh, hey, how are you?
1: Good. I I just got a message uh, from one of my patrol officers that uh, he needed to talk to me about something.
2: Well, I just wanted to offer any assistance that I might have. I was a really good friend of Travis's. What have you heard so far? I heard that he passed away, and I heard there was a lot of blood... That um, his roommate found
3: him, or his friend found him, or people were. I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm just upset.
0: Those investigating Travis's murder needed to understand both Jody and Travis, as well as the dynamics of their relationship. So they go back to the beginning.
3: So let's start with Travis.
1: Travis was an interesting guy because he, you either loved him or you, you despised him, <laughs> you know, but most people loved him. And the reason why anybody would despise him is just because they didn't understand him. You know, he was, he could be loud and obnoxious and um, he was zany and over the top and just silly and goofy and so, if you knew him, it was so endearing. But if you're just an outsider, particularly men, and this is an interesting dynamic. But you know, some some of the guys didn't like him um, in the in the singles congregation. You know, most did, almost everybody did. But there are a few that didn't like him, um, just because he was so charismatic. But he was interesting because he had this really deep, serious side. You know, where he's very introspective, um, really dedicated to bettering himself. He could have incredibly deep uh, emotional, spiritual conversations. But most of the time, he was the class clown. He was the center of attention and, um, and really just a, a great guy. I mean, he had a huge heart. He would help anyone at any time. Well, within a very short period of time, Travis is making really good money. Now he's got a closet full of custom-made suits and shirts, and he's got a luxury car and a, you know, this this is after he moved to to um, Mesa, Arizona, and now he's got this big home. Well, the challenge was he went from in a very short period of time. You know, we hear like from geek to chic, you know, that's kind of what happened to Travis. He went from kind of a goofy, a little bit nerdy guy that when he was younger, got made fun of to suddenly now, he's this good looking, charismatic, well-dressed, well-spoken, you know, budding motivational speaker and entrepreneur and he literally had women throwing themselves at him. And he'd never been in a place like that before. And I think it was part of his undoing. Not I think, I know. It was absolutely part of his undoing. Because, you know, when you go from, from nothing to something and not being able to get an attractive woman to, to even, you know, look at you, to now having really whoever you want, it was too much for him
3: And it would be his undoing, because it was in this phase of his life that Travis Alexander meets Jody Arias. Jody Arias was born in Salinas, California.
2: She was one of four children. Jody's childhood was described as normal and happy. She showed an interest in photography at a super young age, and she really carried that interest through her adult life. She dropped out of Wairika High School in Wairika, California, in the 11th grade to pursue her interest in professional photography while working different part time jobs. By 2001, Jody was living with her much older boyfriend, Daryl. She was 21 and he was 40. And by 2005, Jody and Daryl bought a house together in Palm Desert, California. The following year, Jody was looking for a career change, and in this pursuit, she would cross paths with Travis Alexander.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because my brother Mike, and, and you know, Prepaid Legal, or Legal Shield, it's a, it's a network marketing company, a direct sales company, so, you know, you're selling products as an independent contractor, and you can also recruit other people, you know, to sell. Not products, but you're selling the service, I guess. Well, my brother Mike was in the business as well, but he wasn't a part of my team. You know, my brother Jeff recruited him, but, you know, so we were not on the same team. Um, Well, Mike had recruited someone who recruited someone who recruited Jody. And none of us knew that that had happened. That's just, you know, it's just freaky now that we have this you know bird's eye view of how this all came to be. It's just so weird. None of us know anything about Jody Arias. She's just quietly learning the business. So we all go to our big convention at the MGM grand in Las Vegas. So I'm super excited to see Travis. And, and so we all get there and Travis at this season of his life, he'd gotten really close to um, my then wife, Sky, and they would text all the time and talk on the phone all the time. And he's talking about his, you know, his the, the girls that he's dating or whatever. Well, he texts, I think he texted Sky and he's talking about, oh my gosh, I met this girl. You know, I met this woman and he's texting Sky about it. And Sky says, well, does she have a dress? You know, why don't you bring her to the, to the gala? To the we did a banquet on the Thursday night before our convention at all of our conventions. So it's black tie, you know, really nice and plated dinner and, and some entertainment. And so Travis, says yeah we were actually trying to find her address but we struck out well this is just a, another weird part of the story sky never ever before or after packed two gowns but this one time she i remember when she was packing she said you know i'm going to bring this one but i'm also going to bring this one just in case well so sky had two gowns two dresses and she's texting Travis, and she said, "Like I have an extra dress." So Travis runs down, says quick hello, grabs the room key, runs back up, grabs Jody. They go into our hotel room. They get the dress; it fits her. And within a few minutes, they're back down. We had saved two seats for them, and so that's the first time that I met Jody Arias, and and I liked her. You know, initially I thought. I mean, when we shook her hand, when I shook her hand, very firm handshake, you know, a really professional business handshake, really good eye contact. Um, she was socially, I thought socially appropriate. In other words, she she could, you know, keep a really great conversation. She was a good conversationalist. She was well-read. She knew a little bit about everything. And after leaving the gala, Sky and I were talking about it, and our consensus was we like her, we think she's pretty, you know, she seems solid, but there's something off about her. So this wasn't twenty twenty hindsight, you know what I mean? This wasn't now we know she's a murderer, so now we're saying we thought she was off. This happened in the moment. I was reading for him, you know, so I, I think maybe I may have turned a blind eye to to something that might have been a little more a, a little more offputting, but because I was wanting this for him so bad, I just chalked it up with her being a little bit a little off a little different, but overall, good for you travis i'm you know I'm happy for you good job
3: and essentially, as soon as Jody met Travis, she dumped her boyfriend Daryl, or at least started to because at the time she was still living with Daryl but no one's really sure if Jody was honest with Travis about that. She really downplayed it, like we were broken up, we still live together, all this stuff. Because there was this instant attraction between Jody and Travis. She immediately knew that she wanted to pursue a relationship with him. And although they lived in separate states, Jody in Wairika, California, and Travis in Mesa, Arizona, they began going on trips together. They exchanged emails daily and talked on the phone as well, every day. They were nearly in constant communication. And as Jody and Travis got to know one another, she started absorbing his interests. She was suddenly drawn to the Mormon faith out of nowhere.
1: What we came to learn is that she's a chameleon. And that was kind of what we were picking up, is that she she will morph from one environment to the next depending on who she's with. You know, she literally shapeshifts and 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 that uh, you know, can become alarming because what that tells you is that this person, is she doesn't know who she is. To describe Jodi Arias, it's like, well, it depends. who, You know, who was she around? Because she became something different depending on who she was with.
2: Jodi and Travis's relationship was budding, and Chris and his wife, Sky had a front-row seat to everything that unfolded.
1: She, she was living with her boyfriend, Daryl, And what she told Travis was that she broke it off with Daryl, which we later found out was a lie. She didn't break it off until much later. But she told Travis that she broke it off with Daryl, but that it was still weird. And so she didn't want Travis to come to, you know, Daryl's house, (laughs) where Jody and Daryl were living. So my house became their uh, rendezvous spot. So Travis would drive in from Mesa, she would drive in from the Palm from the, from the, from uh, Desert, and I kind of had a front row seat to watching this thing bloom and blossom. At first, it was cute, but within a very short period of time, it gets it gets weird. You know, this is where we start to see her following him following him around the house. He'd go to the bathroom, she would go and put her ear to the door and listen. And we caught her more than once doing that. You know, he goes into his bedroom to take a phone call. Jody follows him up, puts her ear to the door to listen. You know, she was very jealous and didn't want, she didn't want Travis talking to any other woman. Well, it's like, you know, they're just dating. It's not like they're a thing. Um, But she would follow him around to, to, to hope that he didn't do that. We'd sit in the hot tub together. She's climbing all over him. You know, I've told this story several times in the media, but she's climbing all over him, giggling like a 12 year old girl. And he's like annoyed by it. Like, get off me, Jody. You know, like he's embarrassed because socially it's inappropriate. You know, we're just all hanging out in the hot tub and she's acting crazy. So there was enough for me to be like, you know, I'm out. I'm not interested in you with her anymore, but do whatever you want. So this, there was a few of these, Rendezvous, right? So they'd come over for a few days at a time. Sometimes Jody would, would show up unannounced, or she would call and say, Hey, can I come hang out for a couple of days? And at this point, it's like, Yeah, whatever. You know, she wasn't quite in a nuisance, but certainly not somebody that we wanted to hang out with, you know. But it, to be nice and to be kind, you know, we let her come out. So it was, um, you know, we watched this happen.
3: The fact that Jody would show up at Chris and Skye's house unannounced when Travis wasn't even there or call them and ask like, hey, can I come hang out and come be with you guys for a couple of days? I think is pretty weird. Um, It's like trying to inf- infiltrate Travis's friend group. You know what I mean? When he's not around and it's like looking. it's It's very controlling behavior.
2: Yeah, it's controlling and it's socially inappropriate and it's weird. And I think any normal person would see that kind of behavior and be extremely thrown off about it. It's like, dude, we're not besties right now. You shouldn't kind of be coming over. But at that point, I don't think that there's really anything dangerous or scary about what's going on. But it's if that was happening to me, I'd be like, this is fucking weird
3: listening yeah. to the listening at the door though when if Travis is popping into his room to make a work call and they catch her listening at the door that's a really bad sign especially in the beginning
1: well Jody learns that Travis is not going to get serious with anyone if they're not mormon so Jody expresses an interest in, in joining the mormon church and so she starts meeting with the mormon missionaries they did six or seven lessons and she decides that she wants to be baptized, and you know Travis is like, "Look, don't do this for me. You got to do this for yourself. It's a major decision." She's like, "Of course, I'm doing this for me." So Travis baptizes her. I was at the baptism. I actually gave a talk at the baptism, and Travis performed the ordinance and you know, actually performed the baptism. And then we all came back to my house. Like, so one night, Travis is really into the UFC, you know, ultimate fighting, cage fighting, and we're, so. And then I am too, is, by the way. And so we did the pay per view. We got this big screen TV. We're all hanging out in the living room. We got chips and dips and drinks and everything. Well, Jody literally is walking around reading her Bible while we're trying to watch the fight. And it's it's that kind of thing, you know. It was really weird because she was she was morphing before our, our eyes, and she's doing everything that she can to get Travis to be her boyfriend, to actually commit to her because he wouldn't commit. And, you know, I even talked to him about it. I was getting frustrated with him because she was complaining. You know, she's walking around the house all depressed because she's you know, whoa, it's me. Travis won't commit to me. He won't be my boyfriend. And Sky and I telling her, well, then dump him, you know, like, you know, get in or get out. If he's not being what you want him to be, then get out. But she wouldn't do it. She kept complaining. And there was a couple times where I called Travis out. I'm like, look, you're stringing her along. Like, give her, you know, get in or get out. And then he got mad at me. He's like, dude, I don't even know this girl. He's like, we've just been dating a little while. We don't live in the same state. The only time we hang out is at your house. He's like, chill out. I'm like, you know what? Good point. Touche. You know, my bad. I'll back off.
3: I took French in high school, and I was so excited that we were going to France for Jack's wedding so I could practice my French, and it was only when I got there I realized just how rusty I'd gotten. And I wanted to communicate in French with the locals there so badly. If you can relate to this experience, then Rosetta Stone is right for you. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You can choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a quick and natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is so convenient, and it can be used on your desktop computer or as an app. With audio companion and ability to download lessons offline.
2: Dot com and use code first for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com, code first, A-L-O-M-O-V-E-S dot com, code first.
3: So this thing that she's doing with, she knows, she learns, like, listen, Travis isn't going to be with anybody unless they're Mormon. So she's like, so Mormon, she's going to walk around reading her Bible while Travis is watching a UFC fight to show him just how serious she is about Mormonism. And it's like so unaware of how desperate and and cringy it is. It's so cringy because it's so insincere. You know yeah, what I mean? It's you- so inorganic.
2: Yeah. And I also think that, I mean, this is interesting because say that the genders were reversed in the situation and a guy was doing like listening in the door, doing all these weird behavioral things. It would be seen as a lot more aggressive and a lot creepier and a lot more dangerous than I think it would be seen from this hot, you know, busty, beautiful blonde girl. So it's it, it is interesting, like laid out on paper as well.
3: Well, I mean, and I think we deal as people, we deal with so many double standards. And while obviously much more, many more women are victims of sort of like relationship and domestic violence than men, but men are also obviously, it happens to them too. And we have these like playful names for girls who do this, like, oh, she's a stage five clinger. Like, and men always call women crazy. Like, she's crazy. She's crazy. People stop believing it. You know what I mean? Well, they normalize it too. Exactly. And in this, women are just less threatening where you're right, Jack, where if a man was doing this, it'd be like, dude, your friends would be worried. Your friends would be worried for your safety. Like this is really alarming behavior that tends to escalate when men are doing it. But for some reason with this little, you know, Jody's petite, she's gorgeous. It's like, no one, it's like, it's cute. It's like, oh, she's obsessed with me. She's crazy. But like, she wouldn't hurt a fly. But like, that's strange, delusional behavior. And for you to not be self aware about how you're being perceived, it's it's a bad sign. It's
2: delusional. Yeah. It's like she wouldn't she wouldn't hurt a fly and she couldn't hurt a fly. That's how people mostly think about women too. So it's like it's it's a bit terrifying.
0: So despite the fact that Jody is displaying this alarming behavior, Travis was falling for her. And the media always made it seem as if Jody was a dirty little secret, but that really wasn't true
1: we've got to get travis away from jody you know so these are our conversations behind the scenes but they're still doing their random rendezvous in our house well so one night we decide that we're all gonna go quote unquote dream building you know we're gonna go and look at these multi million dollar houses down the street drive around and just hang out but jody's trying to make eye contact with travis in the mirror and travis is being travis he's totally just being like a child just a goofball and he's purposely not making eye contact with 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 Jody, and it made her mad. So she, when we got back to the house, they had this little spat. She's like, "Why are you being a jerk?" And you know, I was trying to give you goo goo eyes, you know, and you're not like not looking at me. And he's laughing because he thinks it's hilarious that she's upset about it. Well, anyway, so they had this little spat. So Jody's in the kitchen with Sky, and I'm in my office with Travis. Well, my phone is sitting face up on my desk, and I get a text from Sky from the kitchen, literally around the corner. And the the text says, she's driving me crazy. You know, like, get her out of here, something to that effect. Well, Travis hears my phone go off, and he looks down. And I flipped it over real quick so he couldn't read it. And I'm so uncomfortable, I started giggling. You know, like, oh my gosh, this is like so awkward. And I'm hoping that he didn't see it. And he said, bro, what was that? And I was like, oh, nothing, just some sky. And he said, dude, I saw what that said. And he goes, what's going on? And I was like, ah. I said, Travis, we gotta talk, bro. And he said, dude, start start talking. And he was so upset because he's, like, falling in love with her, right? And now his father-mother figure, best friend, mentors, you know, etc. are obviously on the outs with his soon-to-be girlfriend. So it was like a gut punch for Travis. It was like, oh, my gosh, no, no. Like, I need y'all's approval. Like, what is going on? So I said, we got to talk. You got to start talking. I go, well, we got to get together with Skye because I want, you know, I want Skye to be a part of it because she's witnessing stuff that I haven't witnessed. And I want you to hear it from both of us. So after dinner, Jody was pouting. So she went to her room. And so Travis, Skye and I were sitting on our bed um, and we had the door locked. Even at this point, Skye said to Travis, we're having a spat because Travis is saying she wouldn't hurt a fly She's good as gold. She's as sweet as they come. She's never even raised her voice to me. Like, what are you guys seeing? And Skye said, Travis, it's so bad. She said, I'm afraid we're gonna find you chopped up in her freezer. Like, she said that. And we, and, and I agreed. I was like, it, it, and Travis looked at me like for help. And I said, it's like that, bro. Like, like that, you know? Like, yeah, that's how we both feel. And he's, it was really sad now looking back because he's like this little child whose dr- dreams just got dashed. You know what I mean? It was like, we stole his dream and he was so sad. He's like, this look in his face was like pure Sorrow, sadness, helplessness. Like, no, like, no, guys, this is the one. Like, I, I'm i into her. Like, I need you guys' support. It was really, really sad. So while we're having this conversation, Skye has kind of a sick sense. And so she stops the conversation, puts her, her finger to her lips, as if to say, you know, she's like... And then she starts pointing at the door and she lips to us, She's out there. And Travis lips back to Sky, like, no way. And Sky's like, gets this crazy, passionate look on her face to double down. And she's like, she's out there. You know, she's trying to lift this to where we can't be heard. Well, Travis jumps. He literally jumps off the bed and rips the door open as he's landing, you know, so that there was no noise, no possible way that she could hear that he was coming to open the door. So he rips the door open and Jody's leaning in, listening to our conversation. And we busted her, eavesdropping. She, her room was downstairs on the other end of the house. We're upstairs on the opposite end of the house. She had snuck up and who knows how long she'd been there. And she had this evil look on her face and she was like, is there a problem? He's like, what are you doing? Now Travis is mortified. Because basically everything that we had just told him, you know, apparently we were right. Because now we got this psychopath in our house who's listening into our conversation. And he's embarrassed. He's like, Jody, get out of here. Go to bed. Like, I'll talk to you. I'll come say goodnight to you when I go to bed. This is a private conversation. So she goes downstairs pouting. Well, we're talking for a little while longer. And Skye says, again, she's out there again. And then about that time, Jody could tell that the conversation had stopped, just like it had stopped when we busted her the first time. And so, you know, there's a knock at the door because she knows she's busted. And Travis opens the door. He's like, what are you doing? And she's like, you know, are you you coming to bed yet? You know, like, are you, what's going on? What are you? He's like, it's a private conversation. I'll come say goodnight to you before I, you know, before I go to sleep. He had his own room upstairs. so. We said to Travis at that point, get out of here, go downstairs, handle that craziness. Like, that's crazy, Travis. That's what we're talking about. Like, who do you know that would do what she just did? Not just once, but twice in the same freaking night. Like, that's what we're talking about. And he was just like, so sad.
3: So the next morning after this sort of crazy thing happens, you know, they caught Jody listening to their conversation about her twice. Chris's wife Sky confronts Jody and basically is like you're not welcome this sort of friendship camaraderie we have with you staying here. This is over.
1: So the next morning, you know, no issues that night. The next morning, Sky grabs Jody and says, you know, hey, can we talk? They go into a room. I think they talk for three to four hours. And she's just telling Jody how crazy she thinks she is, how insecure she is, how it's not right what you do. You're a chameleon. You follow Travis around. You act like a little child. You're crawling all up on his lap. You're reading the Bible. You're pretending to be somebody that you're not. She's calling her out on all this stuff. And Jody's just stoic. She's emotionless. She's not angry. Right. You'd think you would start crying or you'd get mad or you'd defend yourself. She's literally just taking it all like, you know, like she's hearing a weather report, you know, just totally indifferent to what's being said. And then at the very end of the conversation, Jody's tone changes a little bit and she says, Well, you're not going to tell Travis now to date me, are you? And she's, and Sky said, Yes. Of course, I'm going to tell Travis not to date you. Like, I'm going to do everything that I can to get Travis not to date you. And then Jody starts to cry. So, Jody comes out, and it was so weird. Jody, instead of getting her things and leaving our house, she goes and sits down at the kitchen table. And we're all like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like, what is happening right now? Like, you just got eviscerated. And you got kicked out of our house, and she sits down at the kitchen table. And I make these eyes to Travis, like, get her out of my house. So Travis takes her out in the backyard, and they had a chat. I don't, I don't remember what they talked about. but they, they just stood there by the pool, kind of talking for quite a while. And then they get into their cars, and they both left.
3: And it's in this phase of Jody and Travis's relationship that it shifts to the narrative we're familiar with. The one the media clung to. Jody is Travis's dirty little secret.
1: This is a really important part of the story. Travis at that point takes his relationship with her underground because he knows how we feel about it. So now there's like this this wedge in our relationship. He he can't he can no longer the relationship he had with Skye just kind of ended because he can no longer tell Sky about his feelings about Jody because Sky doesn't want to hear it. You know, I don't want to hear it. I don't want, you know, hopefully they're broken up and they'll never see each other again. Well, Travis really, really, really liked her. So they continued to date, even though a lot of the time he didn't want anybody to know. Well, the media made it sound like, oh, Jody was his dirty little secret. And it wasn't like that. It was, he really did like her. And, and in fact, he probably loved her and he really cared about her, but he was afraid of, you know, being shamed by Sky and I. He, he wanted to have our approval. So it was really sad. He was in a really sad place.
3: All
2: right, so Travis's two best friends don't approve of Jody. And it's at Chris and Sky's house where Jody and Travis spent the bulk of their time together. So once all this gets ruined is around the same time that Travis realizes that he doesn't want to marry Jody, but the two of them clearly have some type of a connection and their sexual connection is another part of the relationship that the media really clung to. I'm sure everybody has heard of it. And it's because, especially at this point, both of them were Mormon. Travis had always made his faith a really big priority. And remember, Jody converted to Mormonism for Travis and he had even baptized her. So, how exactly did their now primarily sexual relationship coexist with Travis's faith?
1: My understanding is that Travis had been with one woman sexually, uh, I mean, as far as intercourse goes, you know, um, before Jody, and that he experienced a lot of um, guilt about that because he was trying to do the whole Mormon thing. And so he went and literally confessed that to his bishop and you know, worked through that whole and that whole process. And so it's not like he had a lot of sexual experience. You know what I mean? And so I think with Jody, Jody clearly was a freak, right? She she was a freak in the sheets and he liked it. And she introduced him to all of that. And he was into it. Yeah. So I, I think that was the problem because finally he started to realize, okay, she's not marriage material. I don't want this woman to be the mother of my children. Uh, but she's hot and she's good in bed. You know, like he, I, we never had these conversations, obviously, but I know how as a man, I know how men think. And so I'm sure it was hard for him, right? It's like she's willing to give him all that he wants and more, but he doesn't want to marry her. And now he's got these other women that he's interested in. And it was a, it was a tough thing. I, I I feel bad for her in a way, you know, only that she didn't have the emotional strengths or the self-esteem or the self-worth or whatever to, 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 to break it off with him. You know what I mean? Like a woman who knows her worth, who has, you know, solid self-esteem and confidence and all all of that. Like, look, I know what I bring to the table. You know, you get with this or get out, right? I mean, that's how a strong woman would approach this situation. Well, for her, she was willing to take whatever she could get. She would take scraps. She would take, you know, the crumbs that fell off the table. She would not kick Travis to the curb. So there's a lot going
0: on at this point. And as we know by now, Travis had essentially dumped Jody, but he hadn't cut her off. She was obsessed with him, so she continued to see him, even though Travis was openly dating other women, primarily women that he had met at Mormon single events and the like.
3: And it's worth mentioning, this is a thing that probably really pissed Jody off, because she converted to Mormonism for him. But the bottom line, strip her down, she's like a freak in the sheets. She's a bombshell. She's, she's not like the nice Mormon girl Travis wants. In this, I'm sure, after she jumped through all these hoops to convert, baptizing her is a super intimate thing. For Travis to baptize her, very like spiritual, intimate, you know this probably, the fact that he's dating like virginal Mormon girls probably just made her blow a gasket.
0: Yeah, so he's really playing the field. And by now, Travis was making a lot of money and women were essentially throwing
1: themselves at him. I mean, we we had a seminar once in Utah, in Daniel Summit, Utah, and Travis was one of the speakers, and Jody was there. But literally, Travis tells me a story, and he's laughing. He had this hyena laugh, you know, like this crazy, high pitched, I can't even do it justice. But he starts telling me this story how he had one woman in his room, and they weren't, you know, they weren't being intimate, but they're just hanging out chatting. They had one woman in his room. There was a woman crawling up because he was on the second floor. A woman was crawling up like the balcony over the, the fence on his balcony and was knocking on his balcony door while Jody is knocking on the front door. So there's literally a woman in his room, a woman banging on the front door, a woman banging on the back door. Trying to get in, and Travis just thought it was the funniest. <laughs> and it is pretty funny, but he thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But like you know, so he's stringing these women along, and and he and he was he was a single guy at this time, so it's like, look, whatever you know, you want to string people along, string them along. I I'm not saying that's okay, but I'm not saying it. Whatever you know, he was doing whatever he was doing.
3: Despite all of this, Jody did not stop seeing Travis. She tolerated his non-commitment, but she didn't take it lying down. And this is when some of her more, even more if you can believe it, scary, alarming, red flag-inducing behavior is revealed.
1: There were some things that started to happen.
3: And one of these things that started to happen that Chris is referencing is that Travis started dating a woman named Lisa. And he fell in love with her. But then he cheated on her with Jody.
1: So he's in love with Lisa. He cheats on Lisa with Jody. Jody tells someone who tells Lisa that Travis and Jody had slept together again. Lisa dumps Travis. Travis is heartbroken. And during this time, Jody was following him around town. He, she's following his girlfriend. She's looking in, in his, through his back window watching him make out with this woman. She broke into his house, she stole his journals, and she slashed his tires twice. So there was some crazy stuff happening.
0: Jody's behavior is escalating, and everything that Chris revealed to us today, the police were learning during their investigation into Travis Alexander's murder. Every one of Travis's friends that they spoke to had similar and equally alarming stories about Jody.
2: Travis complained to nearly all of his friends about Jody's jealousy. She sent threatening emails to the new women Travis was dating and even leaving threatening notes on their cars. Travis even believed that Jody was sneaking into his house through a doggy door that he had installed for his
3: dog, which is very intense. And she would sneak in apparently like when he was asleep and home. Like bold Jesus. shit. And she, remember, she lives in another state. So bold. she's She's driving. I don't even know the logistically how she was doing this, but she was. And also, doggy doors are very
2: tiny. I don't know how you're fitting a full size woman's body in through that. But <laughs> that depends is talent.
0: No, it depends if it's your, if it's a big dog. I used to go through my doggy door when I locked my keys out of my house when I was a. That just
2: means a burglar a can go through yeah. it if you can. I know, you're massive. <laughs> they need to rethink doggy doors. But, anyways, so that's weird as fuck. But what's strange is that although Jody was essentially stalking Travis, he still couldn't totally quit her. Because Travis and Jody would still go on trips together here and there. And between dating other women, Travis would continue to see Jody and they maintained their sexual relationship. But naturally, Jody hated being his secret girlfriend, as most people would. They traded sexually explicit messages and photos constantly, while at the same time, Travis was catching Jody doing things like hacking into his Facebook account.
3: So there's a clear progression here in Jodi's behavior. We've seen it since the beginning. We've seen her turn into a chameleon, sort of adapt to Travis's interests, infiltrate his friend group, steal his journals, slash his tires, harass women he's dating, really Really crazy stuff, and it keeps compounding. Now, Chris has a theory about what pushed Jody over the edge.
1: Um, when I heard that Travis was dead, one of the first things I did is I, I knew it was Jody, and I wanted to prove that it was Jody. And I was like, well, I can't get his cell phone. But back then, you know, we were doing a lot of chatting on Google Chat, you know, which was a messenger type system and also a lot of emails going back and forth. Well, Travis and I were both doing a personal development blog at that time. We both had a blog and we both had the same web webmaster, web developer, web guy. His name was Sean. So I called Sean up right away and I said, hey, Sean, do you know Travis's blog, the, 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 the passcode to Travis's blog? And he said, yeah, I do. It's this. So he tells it to me. Well, I tried I used that same password for Travis's Gmail account and I got in. So now it's been, you know, a day or two after the the death, maybe a few days, I don't know, or after we found out he was dead and now I'm in his Gmail account reading all of his emails and his chats. Well, sure enough, I find a chat between he and Jody and to this day, it's a mystery. We don't know what they were fighting about, and I wish I knew. So Travis is going off on her. He's like, you're you're a whore. You're the devil's daughter. You're despicable. You're the worst thing that's ever happened to me. You, you hurt me worse than the passing of my own father. I'm sure your parents are pleased. He's saying all these things. And, I mean, attacking her character, calling her names, it was violent. What was interesting is the only thing Jody said in response or in defense of herself, at one point when he says, I'm sure your parents are really proud of you, she said, you know, my parents aren't proud of me, you know, are not proud of me. And then he continues to berate her, and she's not defending herself and then and then that's the end of the conversation and then the next morning so now this is my a theory this is the theory i was i was referencing a moment ago but i theorized that she decided that night that she was going to kill travis so she started the clean up she started the clean up the next morning and by the way he said to her i'm going to tell the Hugheses." About the real Jodi Arias, I'm going to tell the world about the real Jodi Arias. So, so that night she realizes her whole social life is about to come to an end because Legal Shield was prepaid legal was her social life. Those were all her friends. She didn't have any friends outside of prepaid legal, and Travis is getting ready to slam the door on her. So, I believe with all that's in me that she decided that night that she's going to kill him. So she has to start the cleanup. The next morning, she writes him and says, two things you're wrong about. Now, you would think she would say, I'm not a whore. I'm not the devil's daughter. I do have integrity. She doesn't defend anything that he said other than she said, two things you're wrong about. I didn't steal your journals and I didn't slash your tires. And now with 2020 hindsight, we can look at that and realize what she was doing. Those were the two you know, two violent, scary acts that he was accusing her of, well, she, knowing that she's getting ready to kill the guy, she has to come in and say, hey, look, you're wrong. I'm not violent, right? I would never do those things. My theory is that what he was so mad about, I believe that what had happened is she told Travis, I recorded you during phone sex. And I'm gonna show it to your bishop, you know, or I'm gonna like. But it, it, it's just it's just a theory. Well, so when she, here's the thing about Travis, I believe she showed up in the middle of the night with the audios on CD, or maybe the phone that it was recorded on, and says to him, "I'm really sorry. These are the only recordings." that there are. I wanted to drop them off. I'm so sorry. Do you mind if I stay the night? Travis is the kind of guy, even if you've just gotten in a fight with him, he's gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. And I think that she lowered his defenses by offering up the audios, you know, and promise like, look, I wanted to, to apologize in person. I get it. If we're over, we're over. But I know it was terrible what I did. I wanted to see you in person and apologizing. These are the only copies of these audios, and I'm giving them to you. Yeah, that's what I believed happened. And then I believe she seduced him. You know, as
0: people that are in the true crime world, we know a lot about this case. This is one of the most infamous cases of the last 50 years, really. And this is a story that I had never heard before about this fight. Uh, and the potential for, um, for motive and the potential for, uh, for him turning on her and then her turning on him. And the idea that she starts kind of like scrubbing up off all of her, um, her interactions and making it seem like if the investigators went back to the emails or went back to the chats that they would see that, oh no, she was, she was saying everything was okay. That's really pretty devious.
2: I mean, it's ballsy too. Cause it's like, you're getting so specific where you're saying, I didn't steal your journals. I didn't slash your cars. When those are probably two of the most dangerous behaviors that she would have exhibited where it's like, dude, you're so fucking obvious. Like you, you think that you're being cunning and clever and smart, where it really is kind of biting you in the ass. If you're trying to cover your tracks, it's like the premeditation is all right there.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think what's really fascinating, just the act of slashing tires, for example, I don't think people realize like the symbolism and how violating something like that really is like, I'm going to impede your ability to leave. I'm going to like, it's, if you look at it a little more deeply, like, I mean, we hear that people slash tires all the time. It's really a scary thing. Well, also
2: just the, the act of slashing tires too is so, I mean, what you're actually doing, the
3: motion that you're moving your hand in with a knife is quite violent as well. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's aggressive. It's stabbing. And it's like, that means this person has an, a blade or a knife on them. It's very threatening. And another thing, too, stealing has journals. Like, that is the most oppressive, intimate. violating, intimate part of somebody. You know what I mean? To steal those is such an entitlement to that person's life.
1: I don't defend some of the things Travis was doing. Travis did. He did cheat on his girlfriends with Jody you know, with his girlfriend, like Travis was, was not a good boyfriend. Travis was being lame. Um, and Travis did not deserve to die. You know, Travis deserved to be dumped. Travis deserved to be kicked to the curb, you know, but she didn't have it within herself to do that.
3: With the murder of Travis Alexander, Jodi Arias became one of the most notorious murderers in American history. This week, we took you through Travis and Jodi's relationship as Jodi was slowly building towards murdering her ex boyfriend, Travis. Next week, we'll take you through the arrest, the evidence against Jodi, her story, and the media circus surrounding the trial that the world could not look away from.
2: And until next week, thank you so much, Chris, for being such an incredible first degree connection to Jody Arias. If anybody out there listening has a story to tell, please email us hello at the first degree podcast.com. If you're bored, sitting at home, come join our Facebook group. Just search the first degree on Facebook and you can find us there talking about all things true crime. Follow us on Instagram at the first degree, at Alexis Linkletter, at Billy Jensen, at Jack Vanek, and stick around because we're going to kill some time and find out what the hell has been going on in Alexis's apartment and her new lizard
0: friends. And remember, only you could prevent serial killers and the coronavirus and keep your friends close. But
3: But not that
2: close. Six feet away. But at least six feet away. (laughs) Happy Wish Day. Everybody loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. So it's going to take you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. I'm really feeling this because Lex and I both I really like into Gatsby stuff right now, so I am loving the vibe of this game. And you're gonna step into the role as June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. It's perfect for all of the firsties out there. There's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. And you can customize your very own luxuries, estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings, and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and
3: Android. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, or cleanup needed. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Head to factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 and use code DEGREE50 to get 50% off. That's code DEGREE50 at factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 to get 50% off.
2: All right. Well, welcome to today's episode of Killing Time, the after the killing time show, killing time, the official after show of the first degree. So, I think for today's episode, all of our listeners want to know what the fuck is going on in Alexis Linkletter's apartment right now, because you have had quite an interesting. Quarantine experience?
3: Yeah, there's a lot happening over here. First of all, I took on a really ambitious project in renovating my bathroom. So there's that, and it's a disaster. (laughs) Second of all, I was hanging out, just minding my own business the other day, and I looked in my window, and there was a lizard. Okay a little lizard. I was like, Oh shit, a lizard. I'd never seen one of these at my apartment before, or even outside my apartment in my neighborhood. (laughs) So I like run to the kitchen to try to find something to get it. And there's in my kitchen, a giant lizard. Like the first one was little, this one was like over a foot long. And I'm like, Holy shit. And I was like, is that the same lizard? And I run back and it wasn't, it was a second lizard. And I ran to get something else for that one. And then, then they were gone. So the little one I got out of the apartment at some point, but the big one is still here. And I saw it yesterday. And again, I tried to run something to grab to, to cover it so I could let it outside. And then it was gone again. And then it was in my bathroom and it climbed into one of my cabinets. And then I <laughs> uh, I shut the cabinet. I was like, okay, I can't shut it in there. Whatever. I opened the cabinet, but then I shut the bathroom door and I put a towel under it. I'm like, okay, it's at least contained into the bathroom, right? but I just painted the floors. (laughs) So there's like little lizard footprints. I'm like, shit, it's like the worst time because I'm renovating the bathroom. There's paint everywhere. It's all wet still. And um, I'm running in there trying to get the lizard. The paint's still wet. I'm putting paint all over my apartment because it's all over my feet. I'm like, this is a nightmare. So now I locked it in there overnight. I was like, once the paint's dry, I can go get it. But now it's gone again. So I don't know where it is in the apartment. The lizard's gone. Yeah, it's okay. uh, not in the bathroom anymore.
0: Now, now apparently this lizard, uh, because you posted a, uh, a video of it, I looked it up. It, it's called a southern alligator lizard. <laughs> Which and I've
2: never seen one of those in my entire life before. Yeah.
0: But they apparently are common. And I've seen other people posting about it. And I'm wondering what's going on with the quarantine and whether the lizards are coming at, down from the mountains going, hey, wait a minute. Those people are all gone. Let's check out those weird structures they built. And then now they're just going into people's apartments.
3: Yeah, I don't know. But he lives here. And everything I Google, I'm like, how to get rid of a lizard? And it's like, everyone's like, keep it. They eat bugs. And I'm just like, no, I mean, no. I don't want <laughs> No, I don't I want have it. To, I mean... Anybody that hasn't seen
2: this video that you posted, I think you need to post it again in the first degree Facebook group just in case somebody missed your story. Yeah. This lizard is fucking huge. It looks like it's <laughs> two feet long. It also does look like an alligator. It literally looks like a baby alligator, except for the way that it walks is very snake-like. No, so it looks like a it snake looks like it's out legs. of legs. It looks like a snake with legs.
3: And it is—it's as long as a mid-sized snake with legs. Yes.
2: Yeah, and yes. Billy
1: and sends her... me
3: a link, and it's like they bite. They have a power, powerful jaws. I'm like, excellent, excellent.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing that is just so funny to me
2: about the whole situation. So Alexis is Alexis is quarantining by herself in her apartment, and sometimes Lex just has the worst luck with everything, yes. and it just seems Most like anything. Most things. And this is just a situation that seems like anything that could go wrong will go wrong. Like you were sending me pictures and videos of your home renovation, and it looks like your <laughs>
3: apartment has just been bulldozed <laughs> down. Yeah. No, it's bleak. And then I'm like hitting myself in the ankle with a hammer. Like I'm just like, hammers are falling on my feet. I'm just the <laughs> worst person for this kind of project because I'm just really clumsy and not like a precision person. And, um, now there's lizards in here. I'm scared to like put my hands in drawers. I'm just, it's just horrible. <laughs> I don't
2: know. There's no, there's no way to get rid of this lizard. It just is supposed to live. Nobody could live with something that large of a creature in their apartment if they
3: are not like a lizard guy. They're like, you know what? spray it with mist it with water and shoo it out, is what it says. I'm like, mist it with water and shoo it out of my apartment. <laughs> it's like laser fast too. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't understand
0: apparently the water is supposed to stun it and then slow it down but the way that you're the way that your front door is in your apartment it's just it, it's that's hard to do because there, there's so many sort of like twists and turns sort of in your apartment so
2: well and then it alexis lives on a second floor so once you get it out of your apartment what do you have to do then throw it down a flight of stairs <laughs> <laughs> like yeah I, I, and also i don't know I, are. Because aren't you supposed to like put it underneath something like a bowl or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't have anything big you, enough for that. There's, you so literally like, need ol- a full size trash can yeah. lid to put on top of it and then try to move it around. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. I was thinking, Wait. I was thinking one of those, one of those things that you, when you make a cake and then you put the, you know, that the Tupperware that you put the cake in. And I think then... that's too small. Do you
3: have one that big? I don't have that. I have You'd to order something daddy? on Amazon and it'll be here yeah. in like two weeks. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> you would need uh, one of those cake things for like a 300 person wedding. Like that's yeah. the size yeah. of a cake bowl that you would need Ugh. for the size of the stupid lizard. Well, you
0: Ultimately. know what? I think, I think the point is probably moot because Alexis already named it.
2: Yeah. Lizzo. And the name is Lizzo.
0: <laughs> Lizzo. a <laughs> good
3: name. <laughs> Alexis, no but now that i've if, named it i think i think he's gonna get comfortable here yeah absolutely what if
2: you what if this is the turning point of your life that you find your passion and your passion is amphibians and then no, you're gonna I'm turn te- into
3: well lizards are generally reptiles i think this is an amphibian or a reptile <laughs> wait what's the name this is a re- he's a oh, an amphibian the Amph- frog
0: that's a reptile yeah. amphibians are frogs
3: whatever you know you know what i I mean salamanders are amphibious though certain like lizard type creatures are amphibians but not all of them um but yes reptile i don't think that's gonna happen because i'm like terrified to go into any room but i mean anyways so that's what's going on with me (laughs) (laughs) how about you guys you guys have any stories
0: Nothing um, can top that, I don't think. No, no.
3: honestly, it's like we'll I, post it on it's our Instagram. St- we'll post it on our Instagram story too. This lizard is just like unbelievable.
2: Well, they're like, an- Are you so Australia?
3: I'm like, No, really? I'm in Hollywood. It's it so does weird. look like
2: an Australian. It looks like an Australian being. Like the next thing you need is a spider that is like a
3: foot in diameter. One of those camel spiders from the Middle East. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Now we need, we need somebody to put over the, uh, the crocodile hunters VO over, um, it crawling in your kitchen. I think that's what we need next.
2: Or anybody yeah. that has successfully booted one from their house before, like what right. tool did you use? That was that large. And do you need to have massive muscles to carry it out? Just right. The
3: well, I don't think it's the last I've seen of him or her. I think they're kind of asexual or whatever right. they are. Uh so we will keep you posted on that. I hopefully I don't lose a, a finger trying to eject this creature from my house. I, know. But I probably will God. let's face it. Something else, yeah. something bad will happen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll but definitely it, like definitely knock off one of your of your fingers trying to get it out. It's right, not but over, if you get
0: so. if you get if you get bit by it, you might get superhero powers though.
3: Cool.
0: L- lizard powers. So think about that. Yeah
3: some Illuminati shit all yeah, right yeah. you guys Lilianati have to tell shit. a story you guys have to tell a story now
2: well I'll go I mean the one good thing that I have done in the past couple of days is I have convinced Jared to learn some line
3: dances with me oh I saw that on Instagram that looked fun it was really
2: cute because stagecoach was supposed to be last weekend so it's was you know Kind of bummed, you know, should have been gallivanting around the desert with a beer in my hand. So I was like, you know what? We're going to put cowboy hats on. I'm going to teach you some line line dances. And he is surprisingly very uh, fast on his toes. Wow, really? Hmm. Light on his feet? He's very light on his feet. He's a very stocky, like bulky kind of guy that you wouldn't think could be so nimble. Yes, he's very nimble. And I was very (laughs) shocked. And he's very good at learning dance moves. (laughs) Who would have thought? I know two years into our relationship. And I'm like, wow, I never knew that you were such a a
3: good dancer. He's good at everything. I've been tempted to send him some pictures of like some of my home renovations. uh, But I'm like, (laughs) no, "No, send him wait till they're done. So you can impress Jared.
2: You mean (laughs) you didn't want to send the huge gigantic gaping hole in your
3: bathroom? Yeah, guys, I ripped my medicine cabinet out of the wall. So that was a really committed choice that I made. Um, have you gotten anywhere <laughs> on in progress on it or no? Yeah, it looks really good No, I'll send, I'll it? send a I think- Yeah,
2: I will. It's good.
3: Ugh. I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Billy, what have you done in the recent weeks? You know I what? That's interesting.
0: All, all I keep thinking is, is that we would be packing for con right now. Shit. We'd be leaving tomorrow for CrimeCon. We would Aww, be, man. we would be tomorrow, prob- possibly in Epcot, drinking around the world, oh. and we're not going to do that. So I think that's what I'm doing. I'm going to stock up my liquor cabinet and pretend that I'm going to drink around the world and have a uh, a Epcot experience at my house. Man, that's my that's, that's my that's what I'm planning on.
2: Bummer. I, I didn't even I think
3: that that about that that this. <laughs>
2: i don't even know what day it
0: is
3: (laughs) actually this podcast is the only reason why i keep track of the days because it's like oh i need to get put one we need one this week we need to get something
2: out in a timely manner because we do it Mm -hmm. like week by week yeah it does keep us on somewhat of a schedule though we did try to record this over the weekend and i'm like i need to do something in the weekdays to keep my weekdays moving I
3: was fine. The outline wasn't done. I was like, great. So I just procrastinated until this morning. I'm like, got to get up at 6 a.m. and do the work because I cannot get motivated to do anything. I don't care. Nothing.
2: I mean, there's no way I could self-motivate to do anything, which is why. I mean, I am a procrastinator in general, but this situation has definitely made my procrastination skyrocket. So I'm like, I don't want to do it until I really, really have
3: to. Same. Well. Well. We can. We time. have enough time. All right. Time of death: eleven fifty-two.
0: Beep, beep 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 beep. Hey, mom. First things first. Thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say yes. I need help, and yes, I choose me, and that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell.
1: Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost.